Today we study the fifth letter to the fifth church in the seven letters in Revelation, the church at Sardis. Let's remember that we've learned so far that God is far more interested in our love for Him than our works for Him. So be careful that you never put your works above your love. The next church was the church in Smyrna, and it was a persecuted church. We learned there, don't be afraid of persecution. I think that's a good message for today, since we don't know what is our future. We don't know what it holds for us. But we find that it's persecution. God allows it in the life of His children to to strengthen them, to discipline them, to to protect them, and to cause them to increase their faith as they trust God when times may be hard. And then the next church we came to was that was um, the church in Pergamos. That's one of my favorites because that's where Balaam shows up. And he was a prophet, and God told him, you cannot curse the Israelites. So he didn't curse the Israelites, but he schemed up a plan to get them to intermarry with the Moabites, and it weakened them. And all of these churches that disobeyed God, he starts out with a commendation. He commends them for what they're doing good, but then he warns them about what they're doing wrong and tells them that if they don't change, what the punishment will be. Then we came to Thyatira, and that's the church that had Jezebel in it. And I still love it that there's no children, no little girls have I ever heard of that were named Jezebel. And she was a false prophet in the church, and she was encouraging fornication and idol worship. And he said, I will kill you and I will kill your children. I will cast you into a bed and I will kill your children. And all the churches will know that I search the reins and the hearts. I give every one of you according to your works. And now we come to the church in Sardis. And this is unique in that there is no commendation He finds nothing good in this church. It's a small city, but it's very wealthy. There is textile manufacturing and jewelry making in the city. And he says unto the angel or the pastor of the church, Write, these things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name that you live, but you're dead. There are a lot of churches around that have good names, but how can a church with a good name be dead? Because a church is alive when the Holy Spirit is at work. It's not when man makes his plans and asks God to bless them. It's when the Holy Spirit moves the pastor and moves the congregation, and they trust him to do their work for them and to guide and direct them. Now let's, let's remember what it says, the seven spirits. We go back over to Isaiah to see what the seven spirits are. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We have to realize His character hasn't changed. He's wise and understanding. 
I know we're told if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's in the book of James. God gives it liberally. What is wisdom? It's activating knowledge. It's putting to practice what you've learned. When you do what you're told, you become wise. Balaam became a fool because he refused to do what God told him to do. A fool is a person that has no wisdom. So the Spirit of the Lord is wisdom and understanding. I have to remember that the Spirit that lives in me understands me and understands my situation and knows what's best for me and is absolutely willing and able to guide me on a daily basis. The spirit of counsel and might. I've done a lot of counseling in my life, but the only counseling that's worthwhile is when I counsel using the scripture. I try never to tell anyone what I believe unless I can base it and back it up with the Word of God. Otherwise, as I've said before, it's just my opinion. But Jesus is the perfect counselor. We don't need the counsel of the world if you're a believer. God is perfectly able, willing, and desires to tell you what's right and what's wrong. And might. We're told to be strong. I don't know how many times Jesus says, fear not. And I believe we live in a time where there's more fear than I have ever seen before in my life. I think the powers that be, whoever they are, have captured us through fear. So many people are terrified of this virus, terrified that they're going to get sick and die. I respect it but I refuse to be conquered by fear. I can be strong because of the Spirit of God in me, not because of anything of my own. But remember, there are three kinds of people in the world. There's the natural man, and that's the person that really has never been born again. He's never trusted Christ to come into his life, to forgive his sins. And when you do that, then you become spiritual, Remember, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. The body is born alive with a live soul, but we're dead spiritually. And that's why we have to be born again so that our spirit spirit comes alive. And we're spiritual. But then carnality sets in, and that's when we decide we want to control our life. I don't want anybody controlling my life. I may not get my way, and I may not get to do the things I want to, and we become carnal. And I believe that carnality causes so much harm in this world. And so we can be strong. We don't have to be weak. Then he's the spirit of knowledge. He knows everything. God knows everything that can be known. He made everything that is. And he lives in us. And then the fear is reverential respect. And I believe that's where we have to focus. We have to have a reverential respect for the Lord. He is not my best friend. He is my Savior. He saved me from the penalty of sin. He is my Lord. 
that means he owns me. I belong to him, and he will tell me what he wants me to do. Now, the church in Sardis definitely was not a spirit-filled church because he said, there's nothing good about you. You say you're alive, but you're dead spiritually. And then he tells them what to do. And this is what we need to do. We need to be watchful and strengthen the things that remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. How did we hear? Well, you either read the gospel or you heard it. Because it has to be presented to you. And how have you received it? By faith. Remember what faith is. It's believing what you don't see. I've talked to many little children that have a hard time believing Christ is in their life because they didn't see him come in. And I can understand that. And so I take the time to try to say, look, look at what it says in the Bible. One little girl said, how do I know the Bible is true? And I said, well, it's been around a long, long time. And if you decide to do what it says, God will prove to you that it's true. Hold fast and repent. What does repent mean? Repent and confess are two different things. Sometimes we get confused about it. Confess means to agree with God that you are wrong. You don't blame your circumstances or blame people or events in your life for your sin. It's yours. Own it. When you own it, you can be free from it. Because the word means to agree with God that you're wrong. Maybe others are wrong. Maybe you've been done wrong. But don't justify your reaction to someone else's sin. And then repent means to make a decision that you're not going to do it anymore. Now, what was wrong with this church? Well, he says, if you shall not watch, I will come as a thief in the night. You will not know what hour I will come. You have a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, because they are worthy. In this town, there was a temple, and in the temple, there were orgies, every evil practice. It was unbelievable the prostitutes that lived in the temple. And the people tolerated it. They didn't try to clean it up. I love the story of Jesus going into the temple, turning over the tables and running out the money changers. And I have people say to me all the time, well, you see, Jesus got angry. Well, you go read it and show me where it says he was angry. He didn't want his temple to be defiled. Where's the temple of God today? It's in us. There is no temple in Jerusalem. We are the temple of God. And we should not want our temple defiled. Jesus said, get out. You're not supposed to do that in here. I always laugh because when my grandchildren were little, 
they would come over and I would give them ice cream cones. And they would go in my den and sit down to eat. And I would have to say to them, you can't eat that in here. You'll spill it on my furniture. Go outside and eat your ice cream. I wasn't mad. I just didn't want them to mess up my house. Now, they didn't climb up the temple, the few that were there that knew what they were doing was wrong. And then in verse 5, he makes a promise. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Who are the ones that overcome? Remember we learned in 1 John 5, verse 5, He that overcometh are those that are born again. You'll be clothed in white raiment. What does white raiment mean? White means righteousness. And I think it's amazing that God looks down and sees me, and he sees you in his Son, holy and righteous. And then he says, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now, what does that mean? Well, some commentators that I trust have explained to me that there is a book of life. And every person that is born has their name written there. Now, when you have opportunity to believe in Christ and receive him as your Savior, you reject him for the final time, and only God knows when the final time is. It isn't up to me to judge when anyone's final time has come. But when the final time comes and God knows, then he blots your name out. He said, I will not blot out his name, the name of those that have overcome, those that are born again. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Just remember, our body is the temple of God, and we want to keep it clean. When our heart is clean, we're joyful and peaceful and loving and not disturbed by the circumstances and events of our life. Again, I thank you for listening. Remember, I pray for you, though I don't know your name. God knows who those of you are that listen to this podcast. And when I pray for you, he touches your heart. I would ask you to pray for me. God bless you and keep you safe.